This podcast contains discussions about mental health and may contain discussions about suicide and self-harm. If you or somebody that you know is experiencing distress or is in immediate danger, dial triple O or call Lifeline on 131114 or Beyond Blue on 1300 224636. Also, if you believe that someone you love is experiencing a mental health issue, please encourage them to go and talk to their GP as soon as possible. Thanks very much for listening. Welcome to episode 43 of How You Going Mate, Adam's My Name. I am, of course, the host, producer, and um, creator, and general jack-of-all-trades here at How You Going Mate. A uh, couple of things to get through this week before we talk about this week's podcast, and of course, uh, one of those is that it was RUAK Day this week, uh, World Suicide Prevention Day as well, uh, it's generally the same day, and uh, for those of you that know our show, you'll know that uh, a lot of what we do is... Uh, focus around mental health awareness, obviously. Um, suicide prevention is definitely part of what we do. And one of the major motivators for us uh, putting this program together was, of course, uh, the death of one of my very oldest friends, Steve, uh, from suicide over three years ago now. It feels like that time has just flown by. But, of course, um, I guess we sort of talked about this across the social media channels this week. And... Um, we sort of stand by this idea that um, I love RUAK Day and I think anyone that's having the conversation and contributing to the conversation about mental health is most certainly, um, you know, is something we support. But uh, it's like I always say to people, it can't just be one day. It has to be today, tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. It has to be every day. Uh, if you know someone that's experiencing a mental health condition, if you know someone whose mental health is poor, who's struggling at the moment, um, touch base with them, call them, message them, do whatever it is you need to do. But just make sure you you, you make the effort to, to check in on somebody you love. And it, it doesn't matter how you ask the question. Are you okay? Are you all right? How are you going, mate? Whatever it is. But the most important part is, is you're asking that question and checking in on the people that you love. So really important to do that. Uh, of course, uh, through the week as well, our episode with Asha from a few weeks back, actually became our number one listen to episode over 1100 listens at this point um, it was a really cool episode if you get a chance go back and have a listen to it and haven't listened to all of our back catalog we've had some really fantastic uh, post-covid episodes uh, particularly um you know particularly difficult to to kind of get out and talk to people while we were being locked down um, but some of our post-COVID episodes have been fantastic. There's a couple of really good ones coming up in the next uh, few weeks as well. But that brings us to today's episode. Uh, today, today's episode, we're going to talk to David, who is the other half of the men's table. Now, of course, we spoke to Ben uh, a couple of weeks back, a couple of episodes back, about the men's table and um, the fantastic initiative that it is. And basically what it is is a group of men that get together once a, a month and have dinner and talk about their mental health, talk about what's happening and, and supporting each other and supporting each other to maintain and manage their, their health and well-being. And it's their tagline is, tagline is we don't just talk about footy and shit. And I love that tagline. I love that idea that um, it is about more than just more than just um, the superficial, superficial conversations. It's about really 
having some in-depth conversations and building relationships and relationships where we are supporting each other. Uh, this is a really fantastic chat, and Dave and I connect on a couple of levels here. There's some things that he says that really make sense to me um, in terms of mental health and managing mental health, and particularly in and around um, getting outdoors and connecting with nature. And it's and it's certainly um, not necessarily a not necessarily a, a place we've gone to before in terms of some of the the tips and the tricks for self care and coping and managing your mental health. But um, I really enjoyed that part of the conversation and it allowed me to kind of go into a place that I don't normally go into um, in sort of uh, speaking, you know, in terms of um, spirituality and, and sort of the, the idea of um, energy and connection. I'm not particularly a religious man necessarily, but I do believe that we are sort of all connected by a and energy, if you know, scientifically speaking, everything is energy. And uh, so we sort of explore that a little bit in, in the end of this uh, podcast. But uh, a really fantastic insight into the men's table, uh, and a fantastic insight into the, the other side of the story uh, about how the men's table was started and, and, and sort of Dave's role in that. And of course, just a really fantastic uh, chat about mental health. And it's always good to have a really fantastic chat about mental health. Now, of course, uh, the men's table. Uh, I would love to give them another big plug. Uh, jump online, have a look at what they're doing, www.themenstable, the men's table. They're about to open their 20th table. Now, they started with just one table 10 years ago. A couple of years ago, they made the decision to expand, and now they're looking at 20 tables, and this one will be opening, hopefully, in Melbourne. Uh, another table opening very soon. They're looking at setting up a table in Camden, uh, here in New South Wales. Uh, so if you're in the Camden, MacArthur, Woolandilly regions, even in Liverpool, um, get in contact with uh, Dave and Ben from the men's table. And of course, most importantly, um, most importantly, have a chat to them about mental health. They're really interesting guys. So I love this episode. I hope you guys really enjoy this. Don't forget, you can listen to us all across the internet. Jump on our social media pages and and have a look at what we're doing across Facebook if you love the episode, please let us know. We're getting so many really interesting places, listen to in so many really interesting places. Um, and even just here in Sydney, I'd love I'd love my own community to tell me what you guys think of this. But um, please let us know what you think, even if you private message it to us. That'd be fantastic. Review the program on um, on on the uh, all the podcasting platforms. And most importantly, don't forget to ask somebody how you're going, mate, this week. It's really important to us here. So... Without further ado, let's uh, ask David the question. David, how you going, mate? I'm pretty good. <laughs> I um, yeah, thanks for asking. It's always good to, to be asked how you're going. Yeah, yeah, and it's a, look, it's a really interesting question, and it's one that I picked deliberately, and um, because you know it get, happens all the time. You, if you start actually listening to the amount of people that say it's a throwaway, isn't yeah, it? How you going, mate? And yeah. it, and it can be a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I often you know Nath's in the very first episode with the guest you know talked about the fact that he went to a, a rehab facility and they went how you going mate and he said yeah i'm good thanks i went no you're not <laughs> <laughs> you're in a psychiatric hospital <laughs> yeah, that's right. maybe oh. compared to the others <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah well generally speaking i'm okay yeah yeah so let to to give people a listening and to give people a bit of context a, a few episodes ago we had um the other half of your dynamic duo on ben hughes you are of course from the men's table 
So we should talk a bit about the men's table. And perhaps people wouldn't have listened to Ben's episode, so it's worth revisiting what the men's table is. In 100 words or less, no, I'm joking. <laughs> Take as many as you need. <laughs> Tell us about the men's table. Uh, well, I was part of a group of guys who came together back in 2011. Yeah. We were all part of a business networking group. Ah, and okay. Ben actually stood up one week and said, I want to start a men's group. And there's a bit of a backstory as to why he stood up and, and invited uh, that in. But yep. um, I wasn't aware of that at the time. And, um, and I, I just thought, yeah, I'd, I'd like to do that. That'd be cool. Mm. But I didn't feel like, oh, my God, I've been waiting for this. Or, you know, thank God someone's finally yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, mentioned it. Anyway, I think I missed maybe the first, maybe even the first couple of months I had things on. And um, and then I went along, and I mean I knew the guys already a little bit because of the um, the business networking thing we met every week, but I knew them as business people, and we're all pitching our businesses and doing the sales talk. Mm. So I didn't really know many of them that well as people. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the format was pretty simple. You know, we sat down, we had a meal, we're in the upstairs of a restaurant in uh, Surrey Hills, mm-hmm. uh, but the idea was let's really talk. Let's let's just say how it's really going. And um, and, it, and it was really nice and, and we took turns, you know, we'd kind of go around the table or, you know, people would just speak as, as, as they felt moved to speak. Mm. And, um, and pretty, pretty quickly I kind of saw, yeah, this is, this is, this is a good place. And mm. I, I guess it was a few months in and one night I remember um, we, uh, the topic was about being a father and, uh, you know, all of the guys who, who were dads were sharing about, you know, how much they love being a dad and the challenges and this and that. Mm-hmm. And it was getting near the end of the night and one of the guys at the other end of the table, um, I actually clumsily just sort of threw away a comment. I said, oh, you, you don't have kids, do you? And, and he looked at me and, um, and then he kind of looked down and, you know, he's kind of his body language went down and, and I could see his face was kind of getting really, you know, he was getting emotional mm-hmm. and he looked up and there's kind of like a, a tear in his eye and he said, no, I don't. Mm. I don't have kids. And, you know, like the room just stopped mm. and there was this kind of silence. And um, then he started talking about, you know, his, um, his pain, I guess, his sadness mm. and not having had kids. And uh, this was a guy who's, you know, he's a, he's a typical guy, you know, he's, 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 he's got an alpha male kind of stature, yeah. he's, a, he's, a, he's a good character, but I wouldn't have ever seen, I wouldn't have even imagined that I'd see him with a tear in his eye and yeah. with that kind of emotion. And I was just sitting there listening and I just, I, th- I kind of had this feeling of, of really connecting into what we were actually doing yeah. in that moment. Yeah. It was kind of like, wow, we're really, we're creating an environment where, Somebody like somebody can just get access to that and voice it, mm. and I guess at that moment, you know, it was painful for him and probably for us. It's like, wow, you know, this is this is heavy. But what I've seen over the years since we met, we've met every month, um, is those moments where someone can tap into something real and and mm. raw mm-hmm. and and often painful, um, or it can be joyous. Yeah, uh, it's it's incredible. You know, the the uh, the being part of that conversation in those moments, it just stitches you together into relationships with others in a way that all the small talk can't and all the business talk can't. And, yeah. and I suppose, um, so we, we stumbled along for many years, meeting once a month. 
we, we bumped into each other. We had a few points where we actually had genuine conflict at our table. Mm-hmm. And it was mostly somebody wasn't feeling like the, the way we were doing it was working for them anymore. Yeah, yeah. You know, a guy was bored with, you know, just the the feeling that it was becoming like a report in. You know, oh, the last month, um, let me think, I, oh, yeah, I caught up with my kids and, um, you know, business is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it was like blah, blah, blah. And, and this guy was kind of saying, this is bullshit. This is not what we're here for. It's yeah. not just a report. You know, where's the real story? What's really going on? Where's the emotion? Where's the, the what are you really present to right now? Yeah. So that was one of, and, and, you know, some guys pushed back on him. He goes, well, bugger you. And in fact, they said, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, like, <laughs> you know, that's all right for you to say. Here I am, you know, really working at trying to sort of say how it is for me. Yeah. And, and so that was one example of a conflict. Another time, I think we were about uh, four or five years in. And, you know, a couple of the guys hadn't been able to come, you know, some months. And, and there was maybe a, a bit of a pattern where some guys were there, were present less often than others. Mm. And it was like one night, you know, somebody goes like, I'm really, I, I, I'm really feeling like you're not committed. And he's talking to one of the guys across the table because you haven't been here much in the last number of months. And, and again, it's like it brought up, you know, like, well, hang on a minute. Like, who, who are you to say? I've been out bloody doing work. I've got to work at night. Mm-hmm. And, and I am committed just because I'm not here. Mm. And the emotions rose and, and we got into a big Barney, you know. Mm. It was a big conflict. Yeah. Now, this doesn't happen very often. It happened no, no. four times over, over eight years. But those times really cemented in, you know, what we were doing as well because it, it was about commitment. It was about being real. Yeah. And by calling it out, it helped us to see more of what were we really there for. You guys have the, the fundamentals. Do, do events like that, the situations like that help shape those fundamentals? Like, does that directly inform those? So, so when... Uh, Ben and I, at the start of last year, thought, let's take this out to others now. So we've yeah. been doing this without thinking, oh, we're practising t- to see how, how we can then take it to others. We were yeah. just doing it. I know how you feel. <laughs> That's right. Just, just in practice. We, we went to our guys and said, we've got to write down what is it that has actually worked and, mm. and what have we learned. And that's when we wrote the fundamentals is from all of those lived experiences yeah. of where things didn't work so well and what we discovered did work well. Yeah. And that became the fundamentals. So in a, we basically learned them through bitter experience mm. and, and trial and error. And now we get to give those to other men to say, look, this is what we've been doing. This is what seems to work. And what it does, the fundamentals, Ben talks about it as doing two things. It, it ensures that it's a safe place where people can really talk about mm. what's going on. Mm. And that safety is absolutely paramount. And it stops the table from fracturing where you don't get hierarchy and, and power plays and this is my table and it should run like this. Yeah, yeah. So those two things are really what the, the guidelines are. They're guidelines. They're not like fixed rules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but they seem to work. And we've, we've made some tweaks as other tables have now launched uh, because we've seen, hang on a minute, that wasn't something we'd anticipated happening when yeah, other yeah. guys take this on. So it's two pages. It's dot points. But we say to the guys when we introduce them, Every one of these is come straight out of out of the playbook, not out of a theory. Yeah. It's, it's it's stuff that we've actually learned. Yeah, so we've, it does. We've, we've actually done this. Yeah. yeah. So so I think yeah. The the answer to your question is that for the other guys, it certainly helps them get a leg up and get started, and it, and it gives a direction to the table about this isn't about where you talk about the footy and shit. Yeah. yeah. It's not about um you know power plays and 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 corporate hierarchy or talking about work and politics. Yeah. yeah. It's about, you know, those authentic feelings that we have and really listening to each other. 
So they are written down in the guidelines. So you could literally have the CEO and the janitor sitting around the same table, but they're equal at that table. Yeah. yeah. One, one of the tables, we do a visit now and again to, to all the tables just to check in on them, probably once a year or so. And when I did a, a visit last year to one of the tables, one of the guys just said, you know, I love how it's not about what you do, it's mm. about who you are. Mm. And, and he was talking about, like he said, I don't know what even some of my guys at my table do actually do for work because we've never really talked about it. Yeah. Now, some tables make that as a part of a starting point, like let's talk a bit about our work. But it's, it's moving away from all that social status of, oh, okay, you're the CEO yeah. and oh, I'm, the, I'm the cleaner. And, and, and then pegging each other. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, well, it's, that's not what this is about. You're yeah. a human being and I'm a human being and we all have shit going on yeah, yeah. and we all have feelings about yeah. things, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's a, it's the, um, you know, again, I, we spoke off air about Will Anderson, Will Anderson talking about how he has stuff going on in his life. But, you know, if you looked at the outside of his life, you go, well, you've got a great life. You're a comedian, you're on the radio. What do you got to complain about? You've got this fantastic life. And, you know, the assertion though that, you can be a famous, successful person and have shit going on in your life. Yeah. And you're allowed to have that. Yeah. You know, as they said, you know, as they say, the, the Australia's richest man, formerly Australia's richest man, James Packer, has mental health problems. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter how much money you've got, doesn't matter who you are in your life, it's, it's there. And travelling through life together with these guys now, what, what I can see clearly is that we all go through these waves of highs and lows. Yeah, yeah. Or another way of thinking about it, and it only when we were launching a table in Balmain last month, one of the guys just said, you know, I think one of his mates had said, life is this wheel and sometimes you're riding up on the top of the wheel and sometimes you're underneath and you're getting crushed by it. Yeah. And, and it, it cycles through. Yeah. And, and so no matter who you are, these, these cycles and these, this thing is going to happen. Yeah. Um, another guy told us that when he first joined the table, he kind of thought, look, I don't really have any issues going on, uh, but I'm going to go along because I, you know, I can be there for other guys. Yeah. Then he said, little did I know that three months later, I'd be standing in the morgue uh, identifying my niece, my 13 or 14-year-old niece's body who'd taken her life. And at that moment, I thought, thank God, I've got a group of guys that yeah, I'm seeing yeah. in two weeks' time because I need them right now. Yeah, yeah. Is there, I mean, is there an ability for him to touch base with the group outside of that? Is Absolutely, there, yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm thinking... In that situation, you're like, okay, I've just got to wait two weeks until yeah. I get to talk to some people. I'll be right for two weeks. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, there seems to be an urgency. Yeah, and I, as a, and a, a, a touch base, I spoke about this off air. I think that disconnection is something that we all experience. And even in the modern world, you know, we talk about being more connected than ever in terms of social media and things like that, being able to talk to people. But, but really, a lot of us, I think, are pretty removed from other people yeah absolutely there's a huge amount of social isolation going yeah. on and what i think we're seeing is that on the surface so many people appear to be successful they appear to be living a normal life and they they look like they've mm. got their act together but particularly for guys there's so few that are really deeply connected into a really strong community and not just of having a lot of mates where mm. oh yeah i play i play footy or I play golf, or I do something with these guys. Yeah. But actually, also, and when when it push came to shove, I know I could go straight to them mm. and talk about what's really going on if I if I was going through some shit. Yeah. And also, they would know that I'm one of those people as well. Very few people have got that. Um, you know, a lot of guys uh, are lucky that they might have a brother who they're really close with. Yeah. 
or you know they've they've kind of fostered that in in a few people mm. but to have a community of men that's what this is about and what we're mm. learning more and more this isn't just for the individual man to to sort his own stuff out and in mm. fact what it's more about is having that community mm. because those connections do support you and nourish you and and they become i mean i i can speak for myself I feel so much more connected into kind of all men mm. because I've been able to forge this kind of relationship with the other 11 men at my table. And I, what, I, what I've noticed, because uh, I, I think I grew up quite, uh, reserve, quite um, withdrawn in the way I related with other men, and mm-hmm. that was partly my upbringing. My, my dad was a good guy, but I think there was, uh, the, you know, the, the, I grew up as a very small uh, statured person I was mm. the sm- shortest person in the line when you'd line up for school photos every year you know <laughs> the tallest person at the front the shortest at the back I was always at the very end until year 12 the, exactly. guy, the guy that actually has to stand next to the girls oh my god <laughs> that's right yeah, yeah. well often the girls would be towering <laughs> over me as well you know year 5 not like, that there's anything wrong with 12? that but back in the day it was a big insult absolutely <laughs> so I had all of this kind of shame and stuff built into me and I, and I think I didn't really know how to open my heart to other yeah, men I, yeah. was, I was too scared and too wary and I think what I've learned over these years is I can open my heart and I can see I, I can connect with another man's heart not just you know his head and and oh yeah he's a bloke and he does all this stuff it's like I can actually feel more of that person and I I think it's just the practice of sitting with once a month with a group of guys mm. hearing about what's in their heart you know what's actually going on for them so you don't I mean I'm not psychoanalyzing any in any way shape or form but do you think somewhere deep inside that when you first started to get involved in this, you you were searching for that? Like, do you actually uh, is that somewhere you've looked back and gone, yeah, actually, I think I was searching for that. Yeah, I, and I didn't realise it at the time. I didn't realise it. I I just went along and I thought, yeah, that's that sounds like a good thing. But I, I absolutely can look back now and I can see more because I've heard so many men talking mm. about why are they coming to a men's table. So I mean, a simple thing, very practical thing. I'd moved from growing up in Adelaide to Sydney just at the time when I was starting a business. And so every person I met was possibly a client or mm. they, they mm. could maybe refer me to a client. Mm. So it was this very transactional sort of way of filtering the relationship. And mm. even though, you know, I had friends, I think I'd, I'd had this very thick filter that I was kind of operating out of. And so that meant, for example, that I hadn't fostered a lot of these open, you know, more connected relationships. So that was one practical thing. I definitely think that that background and and just the the sort of the shame and the wariness that I felt in the way I related with other blokes was certainly a part of it. Mm. And yeah, I think I was at a stage in life where it's just like, yeah, like uh, I I, I guess I did need it, but Mm. I I wasn't really conscious of that. Yeah, yeah. And then you you get your ADHD friend (laughs) come along. I've got this great idea. (laughs) I got got the sense, Ben touched on this in the last, in his episode, um, that, that... He's the, the ideas man, and you're the guy that kind of goes, all right, let's actually make that happen. Is that, is that kind of the relationship? Is that kind of where we, We're at? definitely, <laughs> we're very, very complimentary. And, and yeah, ben, Ben's got so much passion. And yeah. um, he's, he's very gifted in the way he builds relationships. And yep. so, for example, just the kind of people that he's connected with over years who have come to us and offered pro bono support and, and, and a part of tables. And when we did our crowdfunding last year where we were just getting started, you know, he was just so instrumental in, in, in that network. And it's not like he's been building that network deliberately to get something from him. He's just a good guy and, and people really relate with him. Yeah, yeah. 
And I mean, I, I've got that to a certain extent, but I think I've got other strengths, which is, yeah, how to build an organisation. How do we set this up in a way where it can be uh, supported and enabled by people and not just be ad hoc and all over the shop? And yeah. we've still got a long way to go with that. Yeah. But I think, yeah, there's a bit more order and system in probably how I operate. Um, but then, you know, there's other things as well. You know, he'll, he'll, one of our guys at our table had a business, business partnership and they had a simple thing between the two of them. Uh, he, he, uh, he, he caught them and the other one scunned them. It was like fishing. You, know, yep. you catch them, I'll skin them. Yep, yep, yep. And it's, that's a bit harsh. You know, that's not what we're doing with the men's table. <laughs> but there's a bit more the outreach, you know, like yep. out there doing the, the flamboyant stuff yeah, and, yeah. and then, you know, bringing it in and helping, you know, get it organised and stuff. So yeah. there is that for sure. Yeah, I, and, and I think we said it, I, I definitely related to a lot of what he said in the last podcast. Yeah, that's me. I'm definitely that guy. Yeah. Um, as, and just I'll say as a simple example... Um, you know, Ben just had this inspiration to write a letter to Malcolm Turnbull, former mm. Prime Minister, yep. to say, you know, will, will you be our patron? We'd love to talk with you. Mm. And just yesterday we heard from him he'll write a forward to our model of care document, which is a research document about what, you know, how does this work? You know, we, yeah. we, and, and that's just such a bit, bit of kudos. And, and that's a, a classic example where, you know, Ben was able to do that outreach and then I was able to su- support the sort of cultivating of that relationship a bit. But... Yeah you know, both of us together have, have helped create that. So, In terms of taking this for something that you just kind of were doing to something that's becoming more serious, what was the, what was the, what's been the biggest kind of surprise? What's been the thing you've gone, oh, man, I didn't know we were going to have to do that. <laughs> or, or, oh, wow, this is really we, weird. What the, one of the first things that happened, one of the guys in our second table, so really the first table that we helped to spawn, yep. MT2, has helped us with our website and uh, has done it pro bono and he's a great guy. And he, we sat with him, uh, I reckon it was January 2019, when they, the t- him and another guy said, oh, yeah, we'd, we'd like to do a table. But we hadn't, they hadn't even started. And then we were like, okay, we should get a website. So we were sitting there and at the end of the meeting, he just said to us, you should, you're going to have to hang on to the coattails of this thing because it's going to take you for a ride. And we had no signal that that was going to happen. No. Sure enough, it bloody has. I mean, it has been... It's, I've done a lot of interesting things in my life, in my work, and started lots of different things. It's been the most incredible experience of flow, where things have just kind of flowed and happened. Mm. And um, it's been really, really exciting and just a joy to be in that. Um, and I guess maybe it's because it's an idea whose time has come. And like you mm. say about connection... Mm. Mm. You know, there's so many people, I think, who, who don't have that. Um, and this sense of community, like when we look mm. around, yeah, we can say we live in, you know, like I live in St. George, you know, the community of St. George, but it's not a community. No. You know, I hardly see my neighbours. Yeah. I kind of know people to wave at them. Um, so there's this sense of where's the community? And I think what mm. we're doing is building community and, and that sense of connectivity. And so that's all, all I can explain about why it's so in flow is that it's an idea whose time has come. And I think yeah. the other thing is, because it wasn't just a concept, but we'd actually been living it for eight years or seven and a half years or whatever when we first brought it out. Yeah. It was kind of like, well, this is what we've been doing and this is actually what works, you know. It wasn't like uh, vaporware, you know, trying to sell an idea yeah, yeah, as yeah. if it would happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's probably given us a really strong leg up as well. Um, so, yeah, those things have helped it to be just a, an amazing and exciting ride so I far. Think it strikes me as well, you, you, as you said, you did it for eight years before... 
So you know it works. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know it you know what it does. Yeah. And and you know it's absolutely, you know, going to benefit people when they get involved with it. Yeah. And I think as well, once we started to see a few tables pop up, um, and, and guys saying, just giving us incredibly positive feedback. I mean, mm. you know, our third table, uh, one of the guys, he, he told us a very powerful story about having phone Lifeline at one point. Mm. And, you know, the person answered. He was obviously really feeling pretty low. The person answered. He sat there on the end of the phone thinking, I'm talking to a complete stranger or I'm about to talk to a complete stranger. I can't do it. And he hung up. Mm. And then here we were at the first table for, <coughs> for, for this for this kickoff, mm. and he goes, "I've been waiting my whole life for this." Yeah. And it was kind of like boof, straight into our hearts. Yeah, oh yeah. my god! Like the, the goosebumps. I have I have goosebumps moments virtually every time we sit with a group of men. Yeah. Somebody will say something that is just so moving, yeah. and and it just it reminds certainly it encourages and reminds me of the value of this thing. But I think that feedback also told us, yeah, this is good. This is worth continuing with. This is worth, you know, helping to grow because it does make such a difference for others. And for me, sometimes those moments happen when you're kind of a bit like, man, this is starting to get a bit grindy. It's starting to get a bit tough. Or, um, you know, I've had a few of those. I had a a fella, I think I may have mentioned this to you, but I had a fella approach me in a shopping centre and just go, are you the guy from How You Going, mate? And I went... Yeah, <laughs> what? That's great. And so he, he's really enjoying it yeah. as a listener. And he said, he, he goes, I, "I love what you're doing. Just keep doing it. Yeah, keep doing it. It's That's really so good, difference. isn't it? And you go, it's such a shot in the arm to just keep going and yeah, yeah and do the work that feels right. But to yeah. get it, get feedback. It's so important to get that feedback. Now, how many table you up to nearly? So we've Balmain was 19, yeah. and we've got some guys in Melbourne uh, looking to yeah. start a table, which would be 20. And uh, and there's other guys around. We just had a meeting yesterday talking about. Look, we've been a bit lax in. You know, some guys have come toward us, and we've maybe they've come to one of our entrees, which yeah. is the sort of kickoff place where guys learn more about it. And then we haven't been sort of following them up just to say, so where are you at? Mm. And you know, there's a number of those guys. So you know, we just chatted to a guy this morning who who came to one. And he's really keen, and we just hadn't really spoken much since. So, you know, we've been a bit lax in that, but we've also, you know, been doing this, you know, part-time and yeah, yeah, trying yeah. to fit it in alongside everything else. Yeah, and, and that's like, it's a challenge for me as well, you know, where you sit there and people go like, you know, oh, mate, I do this in my spare time. Yeah. This is my day off, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, this is, you know, I, I do it on a Friday night on my laptop on my computer. I, I wait for my child to go to bed at 9 o'clock and sit there and create memes or do whatever I need to do. So, yeah. you know, trying to squeeze that in around life is a, is a real challenge, I think, in some levels. But can I just say, you know, hats off to you. It's bloody brilliant yeah. what you're doing. It's, you know, the impact that you're having. You were saying you had thousands of listeners. 11,000 that is, You know, that, that's just brilliant. And all the people's stories... Like it's just a pleasure also to to be having the chance to tell my story right yeah. now, and so you've given people that opportunity. Yeah, I love but it. But I guess the the passion that you've got for this it's fantastic. So I just really want you to to take that in. I just got those goosebumps. <laughs> I just got. My, thank you. I, I do appreciate it, and it, it's interesting for me. I, I'm learning to take praise. Yeah. Um. I, I joke around with people that when I, I I knew what I was doing when I first started doing this, but I never kind of took it seriously. Yeah. I never. I never really. And when I first started to realise it was something serious was when our friends from Louisville, Travis and Laura, on an episode. But meeting them and talking to them, they're like, we wait for your show to, to drop like an episode of a Netflix series. Wow. 
I'm like, really? And they said, yeah. You know, like when you're waiting for your favorite episode, you know, your new episode of your favorite show to drop. I'm like, yeah. And they go, that's how we feel about this. Oh, and that went, is so good. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Actually, and my wife just looked at me and went, people, yeah. this is real. You know, people yeah. listen to this, and uh, and I always tell the story. You know, like you know, saying to my mum, oh, mum, I'm, I'm being accepted for iTunes, and mum having no idea what that yeah. meant, going. That's nice. Man. That's good. <laughs> and go, no, no, no. Okay, mum, let me put this in another way. Imagine I played rugby league and I told you I've just been accepted to play first grade for Parramatta. And she went, oh. <laughs> it's kind of like, it's, it's it. a big, the, bit of a big deal. I'm in the big league now. Yeah. She went, oh, oh, okay. And then going to work and the, one of the young guys I work with going, hey, Aaron, guess what? What I just went, I just got accepted for iTunes. Oh, man, that's awesome. You yeah, know, yeah. He knew what it meant. He knew what was going on. Yeah. Oh, so that's great, mate. So we... we Touching a, a bit more, I guess, on your story, and as mm. I said, you're off air, you know, as much or as little as you like, but um, we sort of talked about the fact that what brings you to working in a mental health space and mm. with men's mental health, for you, was it a personal experience, a lived experience? Did you have a family? Like, what kind of really said, yep, this is where I want to be working with mental health? Yeah, it's a good question, and I suppose it makes me think straight away of the the cause and effect, like the backstory. Yeah, and you touched on just before what you were talking about. But yeah, because yeah. I think the more the more recent story, uh, I mean, peeling it back, you know, uh, a, a woman I've been doing some work with said to me one day, "I'm doing this women's work. What are you doing about men's work?" Mm. And and I thought, oh, I don't know. And, and then Ben came to mind because I knew he had a real passion for men's mental health. Mm. We'd sat together some years before that, and I might even touch on that, uh, in, in a discussion about, about nature, which is a real passion of mine as mm-hmm. well. Um, and, and then I asked him something, and he said, no, my passion's really men's mental health. And, and so I phoned him. I said, Ben, what are we doing about men's work? And so we got together, and we actually met this woman, uh, Robin Katz, uh, was the spark for this. And... Um, uh, he, uh, we, we started on very early on thinking, oh, yeah, we can charge guys and we'll do something. And then like a week and a half later, we're going, hang on a minute. <laughs> we've got this, with our men's table, like we've mm. got it all there. Mm-hmm. Let's just take that out. So that was really the beginning of us doing so this. So the men's table was kind of in place, ready to go. It was ready to go. Before you even I, th- thought, oh, we're going to do... Yeah, and none of, neither of us had necessarily thought, right. There'd been, I think, two nights across nine years where we'd mm. sort of said, oh... You know, all of the guys had sort of said, oh, we really should probably, you know, tell other guys about this. But no one had really made mm. that move. And then and then, so it happened that Ben and I picked it up and, and ran with it. But then if I go back from that, uh, Robin was asking me that because I was in a stage where I would, I'd let go of a business that I'd run for 20 years. That was in 2013. And I went on this very long, weird, uh, kind of dark night of the soul journey of like, what am I going to do next in my mm. life? Mm. What, you know, what's, what's the meaning of my life? What am mm. I actually here for? And I kind of, I, I went into a, it was a very, I didn't know it was going to take so long because, you know, this is now 20, uh, 2018 when she, uh, late 2018 when she asked me that question. But I'd, I'd got to a stage from about 2017 where I was really starting to open to, okay, I feel like I'm ready now to do something. Mm. And, and a few things were popping up because uh, I'm involved in another startup called The Grove as well, which is more about the way people work together in organisations. We were talking before about mm-hmm. workplace culture. And before that, I'd gone to India and had done six months like on a, on a p- spiritual pilgrimage. Yeah. I didn't, didn't know I was going on a spiritual <laughs> pilgrimage. 
I, I had this vision that I needed to go to India because I'm a meditator. Yep. And and I was sitting in the meditation cushion, and this one day, it just this thing came to me, and it, and it was like you know this picture of me sitting on the ground in front of an airport in India, and and I, I'm like oh yeah you know because your mind just goes crazy when you're meditating, mm-hmm. so it's kind of let go of that. It just kept coming, and it wasn't just in my head. My whole body had this kind of charge. I had all this energy mm-hmm. for the whole hour. I'm, so I got up from the cushion, and I just I went to my wife. She was in the next room, and I, I said, "I've got to tell you something." And uh, and she and she and she looks at me and goes, "What?" And she, and with a bit of worry, like, you know. <laughs> then I burst into tears. It's all about the wind. <laughs> Then I burst into tears and I couldn't speak for like a minute. I just got mm, overwhelmed mm, with emotion mm. and I didn't really know what that was about. And then through the tears, I said to her, I think I've got to go to India for six months. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just... Like, if that was my wife, she'd be like, yeah, sure you bloody do. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And two weeks before that, I, you know, because I was in this no, a wilderness of just not knowing what I was yeah, doing. Yeah. Yeah. I'd said to her, what if, um, you know, because I'm just in this blank zone, what if what I need to do next isn't here in, in this home with, with, you know, li- with this current life? What if I have to do something different? Yeah. And then this thing two weeks later come up. So she's looking at me having said, I think I need to go any of six months. Do, do you have kids and things yeah, like that? Yeah, we've got, okay. we got two adult kids. So, <laughs> okay, okay. so our, our, our youngest, our daughter, had just finished uh, high school. Mm-hmm. So I think that was another thing I'd come to the end of a stage where you know yeah, our yeah. kids were through school yeah so she goes oh okay great yeah <laughs> like that <laughs> and and it was like just an instant yes from her yeah. and then and then i went into the next week i just went into this whole space of nah that's a bloody stupid idea what the hell was i thinking yeah, yeah, yeah. and and then i was sharing it with some friends the next week week uh, weekends there were some very dear friends of ours we went down there just have, happened to have a barbecue and I was telling them about this vision and then Dawn spoke and, and then I, I told her, and I realised, shit, by Tuesday, because this was on a Saturday, by Tuesday I decided, no, I'm gonna, not going to do that. That's yeah. crazy. And they said, well, like, okay, why? Uh, why? Why is it crazy? Anyway, by, by that next week I decided, that's it, I'm going. And, and then about, I think it was six weeks later, I, I was on a plane and off I went to India. Yeah. And, and that, that was a basically, and, and on the card when you're going into India, it says, what's the purpose of coming here? Holiday, business pilgrimage and i thought oh yeah I'll, I'll, t- I'll tick that one <laughs> that's, that's gold so I was kind of like, okay i'm on a pilgrimage <laughs> you, just, you just imagine the indian customs officer another bloody white person on the pilgrimage <laughs> that's right <Bloody>. exactly <laughs> that in the pile over there crazies <laughs> uh, in, and now in my head i'm seeing indian border force on indian tv you know <laughs> going right. you know, yeah. david came for a pilgrimage <laughs> yeah. that's right a whole documentary just following these dudes wandering off into the yeah. into the hills yeah so so that that was part of that period of um because i'm stepping back here into what's next and 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 yeah. you know and the meditation i think is a big part of um what has helped me to just be more open to yeah. Like this idea of flow, this idea that we don't have to force ourselves on life. We can sort of, we can let things show up and let it emerge. And um, and I think that was what I learned in that time in India and then coming back where I still didn't really know what I was going to do. So um, Did you find that, did, did you ever find the spot that was in your vision? Did you ever find yourself well, in that thing going, I'm here? The vision, the vision was stepping out of the airport without any plan. And sitting on the ground and just right. waiting for something to happen. So that's essentially what I did. I thought I'm not going to have any plan. 
So I didn't book anything from the first night I arrived. I didn't book any accommodation. Yeah. I just thought I'm going to land and I'm going to see what happens. And, and that's essentially what I did. Wow. So, yeah, I got, I got scammed about an hour into being in New Delhi. And next thing I'd been sold a ticket to go to Kashmir and stay on these houseboats. And, and, and I realised afterwards I'd been scammed. But it was like, oh, well, that's all part of the experience. And, yeah. and then that led into, you know, getting up into the mountains and meeting a whole lot of cool people and, yeah. you know, some amazing places. And, yeah, it was just basically following my nose without any plan on any, any given moment. What was... <coughs> In the six months, what'd you learn? Like, what was there a, a few things you go? Yep, I discovered this. I realised this. This came into you know. Yeah, I met a, um, uh, a you know one of these guys, a, sh- a Shwami, who's sort of teaching you know spiritual teaching, mm-hmm. and um, and we start we were talking, and and I started talking about my relationship uh, growing up and how I still felt like I was carrying baggage because. I've had this thing most of my life where I've, I've had this very deep feeling of being unloved mm. and uh, irrelevant and actually invisible. Mm. And mm. in my darkest moments, that's what I'm essentially tapping into is all that yeah. shit. And I was talking about this with him and he says, you know, you, you've got to get this cleaned up. You've got to get it complete and, uh, you know, kind of resolve that. And it's like, yeah, but how? And he said, you've got to meditate. And, and so he said, you know, just meditate three days straight and, and, then, and then come back uh, and, and see me again. So I was just staying in a room. So I, I organised with the people who I was staying with to just bring me food and put knock on the door and just put it at the door. Mm. And so I just, I just sat in there and, and meditated. Just literally woke up, whole day meditated, yeah, went to sleep. that's right. Yeah. And, and I'd done uh, retreats before, so I, I knew what it was like to, to meditate for an extended period. And I, I had kind of these moments during those three days where I started to just see how, how much of a, 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 of a sort of a story I've created about that. And sure, I, I might have had stuff that happened when I was young, but I, I was making more of it than I needed to in a way. And it was kind of, st- it was kind of stuck in me. Like uh, apparently trauma gets stuck in our bodies. Mm. So I could sort of start to feel that. So I went back to him at the end of the three days and he's looking straight in my eyes and he's going, so how did you go? And I started saying how you know good I felt and blah blah blah, and then he just kind of kept looking at me, and then I said, "Yeah, but there's more. <laughs> there's more." <laughs> so he goes, "Go back and do it again." Oh. And and so and he wasn't forcing me to. No, no, no. He no. was he was he was making the invitation. I go, okay, I'll go and do it again. So yeah, I, yeah. I went back uh, and and did another three days, and 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 it wasn't like you know you have to do this to get yourself sorted out. But for mm. me, this was part of just starting to learn to resolve and the old story of I'm not good enough, I'm not loved, yeah, yeah. and how, how debilitating that had been through my life. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was one thing that, that came. Yeah. yeah. And it strikes, the, the thing, the way I've always, I guess the way I speak about meditation, I, I've realised it's, it's something you, it's like any other exercise. You can't just jump in and, you know, I can't just run out tomorrow and run a marathon. I have to build up to running a yeah. marathon. And I suspect that you know three days is a meditation marathon. Um, so I, for me, I've always gone like, okay, I will start with three or four minutes yeah. of just mindfulness practice, and then I'll work and I'll build on that and build on that and build on that. I, I remember when going through my, my initial diagnosis of depression and treatment, you know, the the counsellor said, look, here's a CD that I've created, and it was very good. Like I've listened to other things, his was very good. Um, you know, sit and listen to it; it goes for about half an hour. And I get about five minutes in, and I couldn't cope. Yeah, like I just couldn't. I couldn't sit there inside yep. my own head like that. 
So immediately what I'm also thinking about when you're saying like three straight days of meditation, I'm like, man, the the, the self, the, you know, that would have taken, a, that would have been a Herculean effort in terms of, for me, I'm five, six, seven, eight minutes, ten minutes to go a day, two days, three days, go back, do it again, do it again. That's incredible. It really is. You're right about building up. You know, I'd been meditating for some years yeah. at this point and, um, and it's also about learning some basic technique. Like if you're going to, if, if you're going to do maybe not a marathon, but if you're going to play golf and, and be a reasonable golfer, you might want a decent technique. Otherwise, you're always going to be spraying it around the park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you're learning a bit of basic technique can really be helpful. And there's yeah. stuff online. Yeah. I'd, done a, I'd done a retreat where, you know, the teacher stepped you through some stages of, okay, just, you know, start focusing on your breath and then yeah. notice more specifically, you know, the breath coming out of the nostrils and then more, and it just progressively, you know, there was a technique. Now that's not a technique I still use, but I, it gave me a basic uh, handhold. And I think that's also part of it. A lot of people think, oh, I can't, I can't meditate. You know, my mind goes wandering. Yeah. But there is actually skill involved in it as yeah. well as just the persistence and the practice. And look, I, I'm, a, I'm a big advocate of meditating. I don't actually talk about it a lot to people because I figure... If people want to meditate, they'll make that choice. Yeah. But I, I've been meditating now 11 years and daily, and, and I, I, I can just – it's such a clear fork in, in the road of my life. Yeah. I can go back to that moment because before then, I would, go, I would cycle consistently through feeling good and being on top of things yeah. and then dropping into days of feeling really shit and, you know, and basically getting quite disabled by, I guess it was a form of depression. Yeah, yeah. And what's happened, I've noticed over the years, is just bit by bit by bit, the, the frequency of those things has gotten longer and the amount of time that it feels shitty has gotten shorter. Yeah. And it's just, it's been very slow. It's not like it happened overnight. Yeah. But now I'll have a, a shitty, you know, day, I'll have a shitty moment. But it'll be, you know, after not having had that experience for months. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it was really consistent in the earlier part of my life and up until I'd started to be a meditator. Is it? Is it? Because <clears throat> one of the, again, listening to other people's podcasts, um, and Wayne Schwartz that I talked about off air, uh, he does one somewhat similar to this, but um, he does one where he specifically talks to specific people about techniques and. And the one I listened to on meditation, the person was saying that, you know, on average, humans spend about half their time either thinking about the past or the future. Yes. <laughs> you know, and so is it the ability to, to bring yourself back into that moment that shortens those moments? Like, is it the ability to focus on now rather than what's happened or what's going to happen? I think so. I yeah. really do. Yeah, yeah. There's a, when, when I went through a, a really painful separation uh, with my wife uh, a few years ago, I was given a book by um, a, a dear friend uh, called Living Beautifully by a, a Buddhist monk, mm -hmm. uh, a nun, Buddhist nun, yeah. Pema Chodron. And what it is is about being present to all of the emotions that you have, including mm. all the shitty ones, mm. and being present to it, like actually feeling it, allowing yeah. yourself to be in that moment with that emotion. Because mm. sadness fills certain things, you know, it, you get certain facial feelings. You, mm. you have feelings in your body. You have, you know, there's a mm -hmm. weight that comes into your body. Yep. All these things. When we're present to that, we can actually allow ourselves to feel that. Yeah. And, and, and it's not like you, she's saying dwell in it. She's just saying let yourself be in the moment with mm. those feelings. And I think this idea of not being in the future or the past, mm. where we dwell in those, in those, uh, those stages in our mind, 
in in the present we sure our mind is here but also our body is here and mm. our breathing is here and mm. everything is here I, I think it's it's really really a key part of what happens is you're just learning each moment when you're meditating mm. you, you're sort of learning gradually bit by bit just to be more able to bring yourself into that moment yeah but i buddhist philosophy was a huge influence on me in the early stages of my journey um and similar i got the book The Art of Happiness by the Dalai Lama, which I actually had already owned and had started to read and, you know, yeah, I'd sort of read half of it and didn't put it down and went back, reread it, and it made complete sense. Like, it just absolutely worked for me. Yeah. And so for me, it was that, that big moment also of, um, of understanding the nature of change and that the Buddhist idea that, you know, the part of the reason we suffer is, our, you know, our grit desperately gripping on the things that are impermanent that's right you know things that change and and so for me the the past future thing really makes a lot of sense you know i can't change that i can't i can't make that different yeah and there are things that have happened in my past that are no longer here anymore and they make me sad but i can't hold on to that as you say feel the emotion let it let it sit and feel don't avoid it because when we avoid it we have moments like you spoke about with the man with the no children or we have people that have addictions or things that they've done to try and mask that yeah um let it run let it run its course let it go through you and then as you say get back into the moment and similarly for the future you know um COVID-19 was big for me you know what's going to happen you know where are we going to go yeah um I mean yes there's been some really terrible parts to this but hasn't quite been as bad as I thought it was going to be. Life goes on, that's yeah. right. And yeah, we can catastrophize. And I'm sure this yeah, is big. Yeah. This is really big for all of us. It's it's an unknown as well. And I think part of it is also the uncertainty because uncertainty doesn't correlate well with projecting into the future because yeah. we try to think forward and we go, I don't, I've got no idea what it's going to look yeah. like in a year or two years' time. Yeah, and yeah. That can be really debilitating. But again, like you say, just coming back to being here and now mm. and working with what's actually right here mm. and what we, we've got within us, the people we're with and, mm. and the capacity of all of the people around us, which is, I think, again, why community is so important because we've got, if we are connected, if we are enriching those relationships around mm. us and have that sense of connectivity, it's not just us on our own trying to flog away through this uncertainty and in mm. this weird time. We've actually got people around us who we can kind of lean on and Mm. and trust in and be with as as we go through all of this together yeah absolutely just uh, one other thing i want to talk to you about with uh, the meditation but you talk about getting present to the here and now one of my deepest passions is actually the way we relate with the natural world Mm -hmm. with with earth and it's it's kind of you know when i when i think about you know the the purpose that we might each have and Mm. the work we might be here to do um I feel like that's actually my 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 most l- the longest line on my palm, if you like, metaphorically yeah, yeah. speaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so I I did some work uh, over the years with um, kind of retreats and times where you can immerse more fully into t- into the natural world mm. by say just going into a patch of bush and hanging mm. out for a few days, and and rather than doing hiking or you know adventure stuff Uh, because I was an outdoor education teacher, so I used to do a lot of that, um, Mm -hmm. you know, going out and having great adventures, and then I'd take kids out and so on, high school kids. But more recently, I've been introduced to some ideas about just kind of being in a patch of bush. Mm. Uh, And and you can even do it in a city park, you know, but it's it's useful, I think, when you're surrounded by more wild nature, which is really rich with this kind of, this fully present moment thing. Because nature 
isn't thinking forward and back. And, mm. and the other sentient beings, they don't have some projections about what's going to happen yeah. tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. And so you're surrounded by this, this kind of world, this living earth that is in the moment. Mm. And I've, I've found that's an incredible uh, enabler, a, a place where you can really more easily access this thing about being present. Yeah. Which is why I think so many people love to go for walks in the bush or just to sit, you know, looking out to the ocean or something because it brings us into the present moment. Yeah, My, uh, mine's the ocean, mine's yeah. the sea. I lo- like I, the, the ebb and flow of the ocean, the, the movement, the up and the down the, the, and getting yourself in tune with that. So when you're sort of standing there and the wave kind of comes in and lifts you and you just let yourself be lifted. Yes. You know, you just... And, gently come back down onto the sand kind of thing um that's my that's my spot i i've had this thing for a few years and i don't often meet people that kind of really un- get what i'm talking about but you know I, I work on the idea that we're we're about three and a half million years worth of in, you know evolution yeah you know and if you think about anatomically modern humans it's about one hundred and fifty thousand years you know um <clears throat> but for the last 200 years or 300 years yeah We've been living in this way that is completely different to what we lived for the previous three million, you yeah. know. Um, and I think within all of us, there, I don't, I don't think we give enough credit to our instincts, the animal instincts. I don't think enough people really understand them. But I think there is within all of us this part of us that goes, I need to be in nature. Yeah. The spaces that we live in now are completely against kind of what our inner being wants to actually connect with and be with so for me when we go into the bush or we go into the sea or we go to those places where we feel connected in those spaces it is us getting back in touch with three million years worth of evolution yeah 150,000 years worth of evolution it is our body saying you know the last 300 years isn't really what we want to be this is who we want to be because yeah. I feel it when I like I said for me it's the beach yeah I, I, I and the beach and sunsets. Yes. I bloody love sunsets. Yeah. You know, we were talking out there about, you know, standing in a space. We're in Piermont at the moment, standing in a space and thinking about, you know, the Indigenous people that accessed this area over thousands of years and what they did here. Um, you know, for me, I stand there and I look at a sunset and I think, what would it have been like to stand here, uh, you know, 10,000 years ago yeah. and watch that thing happen yeah. and be, you know, not under- well, have, you know, have to create an understanding of it but not really have an understanding of it, have to create an understanding of it and experience it. Yeah. Would have been stunning. Absolutely stunning. And your, your description of being in the ocean and, and the sunset, it's, it's also opening all of our senses. Yeah. Because, you know, the Buddhists, you talk about the Buddhists reckon there's these six senses, not just five. Mm. And thinking is one, one of the senses yep. or the mind is one sense, yep. but the others are the ones we are familiar with, the touch, yeah. sight, smell, sound, yep. etc. And when we're in the natural world, it, those senses are more activated because mm. we're getting more input, aren't we? Mm-hmm. We're, we're feeling the ocean yeah. and, and the, the sunsets kind of allowing us to kind of experience something mm. whole about where we're standing right now yeah. as we're looking at that thing. Yeah. And I think it, it, it helps us also to, to shift back away from the mind, which is so busy uh, most of the time. And, and because we're in this digital world where it's all information, and help us to kind of move to more the pre-verbal part of ourselves where mm-hmm. we existed when we were first born and before we had language, mm. we were just in a sensory world. You yeah. know, We were living entirely from yeah. our senses, our five senses, and we didn't have the extra layer of, of the chatter and the mental stuff. Yeah. I feel like 
you know, accessing nature allows us to move into that more pre-verbal space as yeah. well where we can drop the mind yep. and just use our senses. Yeah. Take the shoes off as well. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. yeah, The feeling of the sand on the, on the yeah. bottom of your feet and, yeah. and the, the coarseness of the sand and, and the temperature of the sand, you know, all yeah. of that is yeah. right there in that moment. And even just if you look at some, you know, some indigenous cultures, I was speaking to a, a Darug woman a while back and she said, you know, just connecting to the earth. Yeah, just literally having your feet directly connected to the earth and getting that energy out of you know out of the the space that you're in. Yeah, you know, incredible, like just incredible. I hate shoes. Yes, <laughs> I'm, I'm only wearing them today because I'm in an office. My wife said you can't wear thongs. <laughs> <laughs> you do not wear your thongs. They're going into the big city. <laughs> yeah. in, in fact, she said she goes. Do you think you should put a shirt on today? I said. <laughs> I said, look, no. I said, look, Ben's, Ben's a t-shirt guy. <laughs> he won't mind. Yeah. Um, I'm sure Dave will be the same. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, yeah, so I was like, yeah, but uh, I remember, so the, you know, the New South Wales State of Origin coach, Brad Fittler, um, you know, one of the activities he did with his players was get them to take their shoes off and walk on the, admittedly on the football field, but yeah. walk on the football field yeah. and connect with that. And everyone else, you know, all the much of footy heads are oh, yeah, good on your Freddie, um, you know, your space cadet. And I'm sitting there going, nah, man, he's onto it. He knows what he's doing. Because Fred Brad Fittler is a huge fan of yoga and, and, and meditation as well. He knew what he was doing. He was like, no, I want you to connect with this ground. I want you to understand your connection to it. Yeah. I want you to feel it. And, and that connection to the earth that the Indigenous woman was talking about too. Yeah. I mean, on the old chemical table of elements... Mm. It's they're all, they're all there, and that's what the world is compo- composed mm. of. Mm. There's not like a section on the corner there which is the human elements. No. We're all made of the same yeah. stuff. So yeah. you know, connecting to Earth is kind of also just it's it's like at a, at a practical physical yeah. level, we're all part of this same yeah. body, this Earth body. Yeah. I heard this a simple expression. You know, the if the apple tree that's producing apples, if the if the verb is is that the tree apples, then the Earth peoples. You know the idea that we have we've been kind of uh, we've been created out of Earth. Yeah, yeah. You, you can't you can't yeah. ignore that because we are made of the same stuff. Yeah, yeah, nitrogen, oxygen, carbon, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I I I, I say to people as well, like I'm not a particularly religious man, but um, and I really resonate the stuff you're talking about because I've always worked on the theory, even at a purely scientific level, everything's energy. You know, as you say, chemically you know construct it's all the same but everything's energy and i and i work on the idea that you know <clears throat> when you meet someone for the first time and you just like them yeah and you don't know why yeah that's the energy's connecting yeah when you know some people are bush people some people are beach people but when you go to a place for that first time you go yeah this is this my is, place this is my energy this is where it is the energy's just kind of sink in with each other and actually <laughs> sit in really nicely and so yeah i mean we we go to a little spot we go to um foster for our holidays, um, just a little beachside place, not massively touristy, some, you know, a little bit, but not huge. Yeah. Just a nice little quiet spot, and it's just great. But there are spaces there where it's just like, yep, I'm I'm there. I, yeah. I connect, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's also, it is, the more I've done stuff into really amazing places in nature where it's more wild, and there is mm. no doubt there's a certain energy in wild yeah, nature, yeah. which you can't get in the city, but we do have access to this connection all the time. So we can go to a city park and we can sit down on, under a tree and, in fact, lay down on the, on the ground mm-hmm. under a tree just on our back 
and we're actually, you know, we're able to still have that sense of connection, even though the yeah. city's buzzing around us and there's the noise and the beeping and all that. There's still that opportunity right there to uh, to just drop into this sort of way of just yeah. being, because yeah. it's it's about being, isn't it? It's, yeah, yeah. it's not thinking and doing. It's just, just you're just hanging out there, just staying in that moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My friend, I think that's a really nice place to to finish it. Yeah, I think that's a really good spot. Yeah, it's been really great to, like to have that chat. Thank you very much for uh, for sitting here with me for the last. We're, we're nearly up to an hour. Wow, <laughs> that, that's gone incredibly quick. It actually flies by, but yeah, I think that's the best part. I think that's a great spot to leave it. So yeah, thank you no, so thank much you. for your time. And I just wanted to say again, you know, it, it, it's so good what you do, but you are so bloody good at it as well. <laughs> the way you just keep the conversation rolling. It's fantastic. Well yeah, done. The only thing I can say is it's just natural curiosity. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Hello, folks. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of our podcast. Uh, before I go, could I please ask uh, just a couple of small favors? Number one, uh, we would very much, as we said at the start, love for you to review this podcast. And, of course, please share this podcast. Um, the reviews help us to uh, help other people to see what this podcast is about and of course the sharing helps us to get our message out there we don't have any money so we're really relying on uh, social media to be able to spread this message Uh, equally if you listen to this podcast now we do a warning at the start but if you listen to this podcast and anything uh, triggered for you or it made you think about your own mental health or well-being or someone who you loves mental health or well-being please uh, take steps to help to either manage that yourself or to support someone to manage their mental health. Uh, if you do feel like you are need to talk to somebody uh, and you can't talk to friends or family, please go and see your GP. Or, of course, you can call Beyond Blue on 1300 224636. Men's Line Australia on 1300 789978. Lifeline on 13 11 14. Or, of course, the Kids Helpline on one eight hundred double five one eight double zero. If you or someone that you love is in immediate danger, please call triple O. Uh, but at the very least, please um, find a way to manage your mental health and your mental health conditions. And please support the people that you love to manage their mental health and mental health conditions. And again, if something you've heard today triggers for you, please go and seek um, some support uh, immediately to manage your mental health condition, whether that's one of the helplines we just mentioned or the GP. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.